This is Wondering Wanders, two ordinary guys wondering about extraordinary things. I, it was actually. I contemplated a little bit. So. You didn't. You didn't think about that while making pizzas. Too. You know, no, I was too busy making pizzas. Uh, but the pizzas take a lot of deep contemplation. You know, life is a pizza. It's similar to the Forrest Gump. Full of toppings. Life is a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna you get. Never in. know if there's pineapple. It, in <laughs> well, the pineapple was rotten tonight. The so only, was it really? Yeah. Well, I definitely got pineapple on my pizza. So. You probably, actually, you definitely got it before we ran out and started putting new stuff in it. The new stuff was rotten. Uh. <laughs> so, because we didn't put any of that stuff on pizzas, because we ran out and then we put new stuff in, and then I was like, wait, that's not good. <laughs> Welcome back, and we're back. This is not a podcast about making pizzas, though I do make a good pizza. But it could be. It could be. (laughs) I wouldn't say that I am a pizza maker. I would refer to myself more as a pizza artist. Uh, That sounds like a lie. (laughs) (laughs) Because it is. (laughs) I don't make art. I just slap stuff on pizza dough. Oh my gosh. Golly. Okay. Um, Yes. Welcome back. I'm Joseph Schultz. And I am Eli Yando. And this is Wondering Wanders. Excited to have you. We will start as we always do with a question. Um... Yes. I want to know what your favorite word is. Oh, oh, really? Yes. My favorite word. Someday okay. I'm going to find a question that stumps you. Okay, I, this so this, this is... kind of stumps me. Be, here because here's the thing. So I have an, an immediate reaction because I have been asked this question before and I have the answer from that. That took me 3 days to think of. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is big for me. That is big for you. Um, but I have to think a little bit right now. About if that is still my favorite word. Okay. Favorite word. Well, what was it before? Home. Home. Which we already did a whole podcast on. Um, But (sighs) I thought a lot about home since that last last podcast. Not not last that we just did, but the podcast we did on home. Um, What is this? Number nine. This is number nine. Wow. This is number nine. Nine weeks. We're next week's Jack, double we digit. Poor cards. Please, nobody grade <laughs> this. Oh, man. But, okay, I would say. Solid B minus. That's, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Uh, you it's, know what they say? B's get collars. No, B is for bishop. A is for Archbishop, B is for Bishop, C is for Collar. That's, that's what they terrifying. say. <laughs> I hope no one says that. They say that, but it's definitely not true. Oh, man. Uh, okay, I'm thinking too You're long stalling. on this. Yeah, I'm this thinking too long on this. You got me. You got me. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to go with home. At still my favorite question because there's so much there to that one word. There's so much feeling attached to it. There's so much history that I have attached to it. There's so much hope attached to it. Mm. There's just so much that that I, I long for and yet that is satisfied in the word home. Just even just the sound of it. It's just like a hug. 
That's kind of like a hug. Yeah. Yeah, when you were talking about that podcast, I think we talked about the word home. It's like it feels like a... It almost conveys home to you. I like that hug. It does kind of feel like a hug. It's a hug. It kind of lands, you know? Home. It has that sense of finality. You're right, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah. It's got the... Home and the I'm all home. is just very like yeah. warm and, and vibrates a little inviting. Home. Get into some linguistics here. What's your favorite yeah. word? Aspergillium. Um, I'm kind of <laughs> aspergillium. <laughs> um, it was up there, but yeah, that's a that is a great word. Um, I would say probably either behold or beloved, beloved, probably beloved. Yeah, I like um, that. I like those kind of. I guess there, I, there, there's probably a fancy. Speaking of linguistics, there's probably a fancy name for them. They're, to me, they seem like conjunctions that have just kind of been like smashed together into one word, right? So it's like two behold. words: be loved, be behold, um, be held. You know, to be held. Yeah, I don't know. I think it just conveys this like this state. It's kind of. In the same way that home kind of has that sense of finality to it, I feel like beloved has a sense of finality to it. Um, or a sense yeah. of like a finality, but also an infiniteness. Yeah, the and sharpness finitude. of it, beloved, the like, it pierces it to, it cuts you deep. There's a longing left there, even with the ed on the end. Beloved. It just doesn't feel like other words, you know? Yeah. So well, it's, there's a lot there. There is a lot there. You know what I like is if you combine those two, behold, beloved. Mm. That could be a whole sentence that could change your life. Uh, yep. I'm going to have to take that one out. I'm going <laughs> to pray with that. Good I'm night. I'm going to pray with that one. So. Ooh, behold, beloved. Oh, yes. Words are good. Words are good. They are so powerful. Jesus is the word. That's one thing that's been really, really cool in our fundamental theology class that keeps coming over and over, coming up over and over again. It's just like Jesus is the word. And what does that mean? And how much power words have? We use words willy-nilly, but there's a lot of power there. Jesus chose to be the word. Hither and hither. All right. We either got to talk about this all night or we got to move on. Well, we'll we'll move on. So let's uh, let's start with a prayer as we do all good things. Good. Um, So in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. All right, heresy. (laughs) All three people in the Trinity, please. All of them, please. Uh, Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of his faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Awesome. So uh, today is the Feast of St. Charles Borromeo. Yes. The correct pronunciation. Yes. And the day before we make candidacy. Which is a big deal. Big deal. Most Um, people, that's the equivalent of engagement pretty much for a seminarian. You say you're no longer just discerning, you're here to pursue priesthood. You are publicly declaring, and actually appealing to your bishop. Yeah. uh, To... Yeah, 
it's it's a big deal. It's, it's big people deal. don't realize that it's a really know, big deal. Yeah, I don't know if, how much I realize it. You know, I, it's, it's starting it's to weigh on me. The fact that it's coming tomorrow, well, like I, I had this feeling today. I had this feeling today of like I feel like I should stay up all night and pray. But I like sleep too much, so I'm not going to. <laughs> so I'll pray a little more tomorrow, probably. So we, yeah, we had a really um, fantastic homily today on the life of Saint Charles Borromeo. Yeah, and uh, part of it was the challenge that um, Saint Charles, kind of in the aftermath of the Council of Trent, was facing a church that was rifted, and he sought to kind of change the church. Hmm. Um, and our homilist today said that the way to change the church, as it's always been, is to start first, not with the external realities of conversion, but with the internal realities. It's the classic Michael Jackson. You're going to yeah, start it, with the man. He, the he hit the nail on <laughs> the, the head. The true there. philosopher of Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I want to talk tonight about conversion. Very nice. Thank you. Uh, about conversion. Yeah. So, first, I guess I just want to know, like, what does the word conversion mean to you? The word conversion. Yep. Con means with. That's, Yes. Prefix. Version, I don't know. But to me, uh, it, when I think of the word very worded-like, I, I feel like, it, I don't think this is right, but maybe it is. I feel like it means um, to turn with. Version, for some reason, has a, a turning sense to me. Hmm. Um, so to, to with turning, it's, it's a change in direction to me. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I think of when I think of the word conversion is like you're headed in this one direction and then conversion, you change direction. So is conversion a moment for you then? Um, that... So I guess, sorry, let me, let, me preface, let me preface the question. Okay. So when I was thinking about talking about conversion tonight, it was typically when you talk to people about how they became Catholics or how they mm. became Christians, they say, well, this is where my conversion was. Or yep. you would ask, yep. when was your conversion? Yeah. And it it seems to be kind of this past tense specific event. And where, so I'm yep. curious if if you agree with that, if you disagree. I think in the same sense we have are. like the capital C church and the lowercase c church. You know, like we have the infallible church and then we're all broken people church. Um, uh, I think that there's definitely levels of conversion. Now, there's kind of what I would call an official conversion, which is you were a different religion or you know, did not believe the teachings of the church or really teaching, whatever teachings, if we're being more general with it. And then you change, you turn, you change, you, yeah, you change directions and now are following the faith of the church. Or, yeah. So uh, that would be kind of the official conversion, which usually is like, has a, a very, uh, well, like physical life changing thing. Like, I started going to Catholic Mass. I got baptized. I, uh, you know, I, whatever, changed my life, did this. Uh, that would be kind of the more official conversion. But I think that 
Yeah, I think uh, I see where you're getting at in the sense that, like, we cannot have that be the only conversion. I think it's Pope Francis who's called a bunch for daily conversion. Uh, I think I think it's he. It might have been Benedict, but I think it's Francis has been all about, like, we, all, we need to convert. Co- yeah, convert every day. And I think that's just because of the way we are as sinners. We, our compass gets a little bit off track with sin, and we need that turning back to God every day, at really every moment of every day, to be pulled towards God. So is it a moment? Uh, officially, yes. Is there big also conversions that aren't official? Yes, I would also say there's another kind of a middle level. I'd say there's honestly a whole slew of levels of conversion. Hmm. Uh, you know, it's really on a continuum rather than a like there's level one, level two, and level three. It's like uh, yeah. here's this sliding bar and just whoop, 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 whoop. so. Okay. Yeah. And then is would you say conversion is kind of limited to matters of faith? Is that? Um. That probably no. should have been the first question, but. No, yeah, sorry. Uh, No, I would say it's not, you know, you know, maybe you're super messy and then all of a sudden one day someone comes into your apartment and they're like, wow, you're a terrible person. Why are you such a slap? And they slap you in the face and walk out. That might be a conversion moment because all of a sudden you're going to say, shoot, I need to pick up all of my old pizza boxes. And you pick up all your pizza boxes and you never leave the pizza box out again. And you wash your bean bags and, uh, you know, mop your floor. Because I'm assuming if you have an apartment, you have bean bags. Because uh, <laughs> uh, who doesn't want that? But anyway, so, you know, I'd say there's other conversions. Um, but do people call that a conversion? No, not usually. I mean, sometimes. But I think when you, when generally speaking, when you're talking about conversion, most people are talking about like official conversion. Uh, yeah, big. I wasn't Catholic, now I am. I wasn't practicing, now I am. You know, all these things. Hmm. Yeah, so when I think about the word conversion uh, coming from, like the only place I see the word conversion outside of matters of faith is with uh computers file types oh really yeah so to convert say from like a like a word document into a pdf you know um this is yes Hmm. (laughs) i think of football two-point conversion oh yeah Mm -hmm. okay i guess that is another place it's used yep yeah so when i when i think about like documents being converted it's it's strange because it's like you're changing from one thing into another while still maintaining the same like core of it. Ooh, yeah. It's a um, better analogy than I thought it would be. Yeah, because like the point of changing a, a Word document into a PDF, right, is that you can, a PDF is more portable. You can like use it, you know, like there's, there's a different utility to it. Um, and you can convert from one to the other. Sometimes there's loss in that. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm fascinated because I think there's, I think that term conversion for a file actually holds a lot of the same meaning still within faith. 
are still within like matters of faith. Um, yeah, because it's always kind of confused me that people say like, when was your conversion? Um, today, because it, <laughs> it doesn't seem like I'm always like, well, what do you mean by my conversion? Like the, the moment where I like started to pray regularly, the moment where I started to care, the moment, like, like, uh, the moments, the yeah, thoughts, the yeah. like, I don't, well, you know, also for, know, like, for a lot of people that like those things you're talking about get really dragged out, you know, like, yeah. uh, I remember that's a great analogy. I forget a focused missionary. I went on a mission trip to with, or I went with her to Guatemala. She once told me some people's story or some people's like faith story is like a match to gasoline. And other people's story is like a sunrise. And they both have their beauty and wonder. Hmm. And and we always expect the match to gasoline when we're talking about conversion. But a lot more often, I would say, is more of the sunrise. Just slowly coming on up. I like that a lot. Yeah, isn't that awesome? I like that a lot. So here's, I guess, my next question then. So... Would it be possible for someone to uh, have converted, but for it to not be a true conversion? Yes. What does that mean? Um, so, uh, going back to St. Charles Borromeo, uh, his, and what the homily is on today, his change was not just the external things. Yeah. It was... What what made him a saint today is the fact that he said, "Okay, I have to I have to live this so that what's on the outside is authentic," and I think that there can definitely be a, a less I wouldn't say authentic because uh, you know a lot of times there's good intention, and I think that a lot of times this is even the way that it happens, and this isn't necessarily bad, but there is a, a beginning with the externals, and then moving to the internal. And I would say that, you know, the conversion isn't as, uh, it isn't as deep, I guess, really, if it's, if it's just an external thing. That is not to say it's not real, because there's a choice there. You are choosing to turn towards these good things. Uh, that doesn't make it less real, but the end of conversion is really to get more to that internal and then that internal in turn goes outward. So let me let me rephrase then. Okay. Would you say that there's such thing as perfect conversion? Yes. Hmm. In heaven. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, on earth, no. And I think that that's a good thing. So what does perfect conversion mean? Perfect conversion would be our entire being perfectly turned towards perfectly united to god which it would be the moment we step into heaven there it is perfect conversion yeah um a a complete turning away from sin a complete turning away from uh you know evil and a complete turning turning towards good which is not a rejection of the world but is an acceptance of the good of the world um so Yes, I think there is perfect conversion. I think there's really, really good conversion on earth, but I don't think there is perfect conversion 
on earth, and that's why it needs to be continual. That's why we need to have, even if it is that match to gasoline, we still need a sunrise in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know? there, you, you, we're never going to stop being pulled to God, even in heaven, really, but, yeah. but we're, we're perfectly united. But when I was thinking earlier, you, you mentioned that we were going to be talking about conversion tonight. And the first thing that came to my mind was, we always think of it as a change, but I think of it, or I think, and this is just my personal thought, I think it's more of an uncovering of, you know, when the more we convert, the more human we become, the more we realize what we're, we're made to be, the more we see, you know, who we are in the fullest sense, which mm. very in a very real way involves who God is. So it's kind of like if you, you know, you're in an old house and this window is just covered in grime, like dust and brown, you can't see through it. You know there's something out there, but you take your finger and you're like, you run it along, it's like, and now all of a sudden you perfectly clear, you can see hmm. a tiny little streak out the window. And you know, like, yes, you can see out the window, absolutely. You, there's nothing saying you can't see out the window right now. But if you do it again, and you can see more out the window. And we just have to constantly... And we can definitely put that muck back on the window, too. Uh, but So we need to be this, this constant conversion, this constant uncovering to be able to see what's... You know, it's not outside in conversion. It's more inside. But um, just kind of that analogy of like we can see more and more and we know more and more. Did you just make that up? Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, I, I mean, I like, have, that's a, yeah, that's an awesome. I, I'll be honest. I have used that analogy for something else, but I still made it up. I used it in the sense of tradition ah, uncovering yeah. revelation. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I think it is. I, that's a that's a very Catholic way to look at conversion. Yeah. Right? Like, that Christ reveals our true selves, what it means to be truly human. Yeah. And so to convert or to change our hearts or to conform, I think is a good way to look at that. Yeah. To conform our hearts to His is to sort of cast away or to use kind of the Paul's image is to, to shine a light into the darkness of our souls. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think also to make my analogy a little bit better, instead of a window, it being a mirror. Also uh, very Paul. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> That's uh, kind of what made me think of it. Actually, yeah, yeah. we see now as a, in a mirror yeah. and clearly I, I don't, I'm Catholic. <laughs> don't don't let that mean you don't know scriptures. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh gosh. Yeah. So as you were as you were saying, it sounds like there's a relationship between conversion and transformation. Um. Well, what do you think about that? Yes, I think absolutely. I really liked what you said about conforming our heart to Christ. Just the idea of like literally picturing the heart of Christ and taking some like foam that they use to make the molds of your teeth with and like putting it around the heart of Christ. Like, all right, made a form and I have to fill this in, you know. But uh, is there, what was the word, second word you used? Transformation. Transformation, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
yes, I would say there absolutely is transformation. Um, but in the same way you would say someone's building a car and you have an engine and then you put everything else on the car, like that transformation, but the engine is really still the same and still there. Um, now, that's not to say you you don't have to get rid of the bad, but if we look at things from an Augustinian point of view, get real philosophical here, um, evil is the the lack of good. It's it does not exist. It's the it's the fact that there's not a good there that makes something evil. Yeah. Um. So you have to get rid of these bad things, but really by putting good in their place. So there is a transformation, but I think that we have to understand that like we are who we are hmm. and we're going to remain that for all eternity. We are not going to be a different person when we get to heaven even. Uh, we are made who we are and that is good. Uh, we have to be transformed into Christ, but our identity is subsumed into Christ. It is not lost. That's a great word. That is a Subsume. great word. Subsume. Um, so yeah, yeah. I th- do you, would you say there's transformation in conversion? Uh, yeah. As we talk about it, I think I like. I like conforming better, conformation, as opposed to transformation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that better. But I have a harder, kind of a harder-ish question to oh. follow up with. I like that. So, yeah, we were talking about kind of perfect conversion or full conversion. I think something that Christians in general struggle with, or really, I guess, any kind of person of faith, is kind of meeting Christ, recognizing that the call to be a Christian is a hard call, mm. and then having to deal with the uh, kind of duality or the hypocrisy or the duplicity, whatever word you want to use, of striving for perfection, failing, being imperfect, uh, but still having converted. So would we say that being in a state of kind of that quote-unquote duplicity or um, not being perfect or not living up to the ideals of what Christ calls to you is actually a sign of a lesser conversion? That's a great question. That's good. Um, it's a question I've gotten before. So Really? Oh, man. So do, does our failures mean that we have not converted as well as we should? That, can I sum it up in that? You could, well, I, I would say to, to, I guess, make it more pointed that your failure to have converted, I guess, or to, to actually live out what you say you've converted to actually means that you haven't converted. Hmm. I think that there's a way that could be true and a way that could be false. Cool. Um, I think that there is a way that that could be true. If you are really comes down to honesty with yourself and God, are you holding back part of your heart from God? And is that what is leading to the duplicity? 
because you're really living two lives. You're saying to be Catholic is to be all in. When you walk up to receive the Eucharist, the priest says the body of Christ, and you respond, Amen. Amen doesn't have necessarily a literal translation. It means I I believe to the point of death. Yes. I'm all in. This is Jesus. And everything that comes with that, I believe. Now, does that mean necessarily you're living that? No, because you can. God is not forceful. God gives us our freedom. He lets us make mistakes. And he will take any part of our heart that we're willing to give. So if we are willing to give him one part, but hold back a lot of other parts, uh, then yes, that's going to lead to duplicity. That's going to lead to really, in a sense, kind of a, a tugging apart. It will start to pull you apart because God is constantly in action. He's not potential. He's constantly moving and sin just is getting stuck in place. And so God is pulling on on this part of the heart that you're giving him and you're deciding to leave the other part stuck in place and it starts to lead to this duplicity that kind of tears at us. Um, so in that, does that make sense? Do you get what I'm saying there? I do. Yeah. I have like a very like keen image in my head of that and I don't know if I get that out in words. But... Um, but so I think there's a lot more you could say on that. But so I think that that in that sense, it's true that yes, this duplicity is a sign that you have not fully converted. In another sense, first of all, God is patient, you know, so like he's got a plan that probably takes time. But when we give our hearts to God, they are still, like I said, they're still ours, and they are still very broken. And God takes them broken and loves through that brokenness. Uh, so just because I'm a sinner doesn't mean I have not fully converted. Doesn't mean I have not fully given my heart over to Christ because I'm still a broken human. I am, But the, the difference is... Have I given that brokenness over to Christ? I think about uh, King David. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ah, I forget, what, what book is it? Remember last year we were reading it? It was when we first started doing the readings. And it's not in the book of uh, Kings or Samuel or whatever. It's like later, and it's just a like a poem about King David. But it, I forget where it is, but I really love I think it was Lamentations for some reason, but that doesn't make sense to me. In the Psalms? It wasn't in the Psalms. I, uh, I'll have to find it, but it was so good. Um, Ecclesiastes, I think. But anyways, so it's talking, it's got this one line where it says something about David's whole life being given to God and everything he did praising the Lord. David's probably most famous action is his sin. Yeah. He sins with Bathsheba and then he repents of it. And Later, looking back, the, whoever the, the scripture writer, the inspired writer, is able to say his entire life praised the Lord. He doesn't say everything except for his sin, yeah. praise the Lord. So David is the man after God's own heart because he was willing to give God his brokenness and sin. 
This did not mean it was not a full conversion. Um, and, you know, like, you know, there's no perfect conversion. I think there's always going to be a little bit of this duplicity. But our brokenness is not a necessary sign of, of not conforming to God because Jesus came down, became man, was broken, was pierced, and now our hearts are, are broken, and God will use that for his glory. Our brokenness becomes God's strength. So does that make sense? So, There's a lot there. So I'm going to, uh, I guess, kind of push it a little farther. Um, so I think I would say that conversion has a very particular meaning in the context of Christianity that it doesn't have in other places. Okay. So, as an example, if, for instance, you had a thief that went to prison, reformed in prison, got out of prison, was like, I'm a new man, I've converted, I'm no longer a thief, right? Yeah. And then he's walking down the street and he sees, I don't know, something worth stealing. Mm. And he just can't shake it, you know. And he ends up stealing it. Mm. Would he be considered a convert from his thievery? And I would say no. Not in the world, no. Not in the world. But for a Christian to have converted to Christ, to have fallen in love with Christ, I don't think the same standard holds. Like, I think you can... Actually, I know. You can fall in love with Christ and still be a sinner. And that not... It it has to be the case, you know, given the way that this works. Um and still be a sinner and still be considered not only a convert, but someone actually still pursuing conversion. Yeah. Which is fascinating to me because it's not like, it's so different than kind of a strict conversion. Like it's so much steeped in kind of a journey. Mm. And I'm curious as to what you think of that. I think that you're right, and that's pretty awesome, and I love that distinction between kind of the worlds in Christianity. It really it makes me think of uh, when St. Paul talks about the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the cross mm. compared, like that's a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't make sense in the world's eyes. Like, no, wait, you still fell, you're still broken. How could you be converted? And God's like, nope, <laughs> sorry. In the eyes of perfect love, this makes sense. But in the eyes of broken humanity, that doesn't. So I, I think you're right, and I think it comes down to... Yeah. I, I like what you said a lot about the journey. God, God sees us completely as we are and as we were and as we will be. And, you know, Jesus died for all of it, not not just, you know, our good parts. So the fact that it's a journey and we're constantly growing is really important to 
to uphold when you're thinking about conversion. Because, yeah, conversion is to be walking on the right path for an authentic conversion. Yeah. It is not to be at the end. So I would, given that, I would say that we, we use conversion wrong in the way that we talk to people about their life as a Christian. When so we sh- when they're conversion. Yeah, we, we yeah. shouldn't isolate it to, we shouldn't implicitly isolate conversion to a single moment. There are single moments upon the journey, but the conversion never stops. Yeah. So, There's, I think usually what we're at, what we're saying, I, I think you're kind of right. But I think when we're asking those moments, we're talking about the, the big moments, you know, like that are more than just the ordinary everyday conversion, but like the big deal changes. Like you were on the wrong road, you were on the highway, and then you took an exit, and now you're cruising down the right But I think road. in doing that, we devalue the fact that daily conversion still happens. Right? So, like, when you ask someone about their vacation, <laughs> you're asking about, like, what did you do that was interesting? Mm. Right? So, like, you're, you're talking about all the highlights, but you kind of discount all of the boring stuff that happened. But the boring stuff has to happen mm-hmm. for the interesting mm-hmm. stuff to happen. So are we kind of implicitly doing that? Maybe we aren't. I don't know. I'm, this is, I, I mean, this I think is a we are. I think so, this is I'm, kind of the way we're, yeah. that we live, but I don't think that that's necessary. I think that that's more of kind of our attitude, not necessarily an issue with... Well, maybe not actually, because you have a solid point. I try to. So <laughs> that's the. I don't know. I wonder about that. I wonder. <laughs> that's the goal. That's yeah. The goal. The goal. Oh man! But it definitely does make you think. Yeah. Uh, yo. Is it? Is does it make these daily conversions less to try and focus on the big moments? Because God is in the little moments, and the big moments, but. But very much in the little moments too. I don't know. No. Well. <laughs> cool. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So I guess in, in, in kind of summary, I don't know. I, I guess we're kind of at our time limit or whatever. Say, yeah, I think so. um, yeah. I think conversion is a word that kind of is used willy-nilly, as we were talking mm. about in the beginning. Um or in a way that, like, makes me forget that right now, like, is a moment and an opportunity for conversion. Mm. When I wake up in the morning, when I have my coffee, when I do office of the reading, you know, like, all of those little moments, like, are moments of conversion and aren't necessarily isolated to the big aha moments. Yeah. And so because there's kind of this context of when was your conversion, you kind of devalue, I think. Yeah, I, I'm starting to agree with you. I think it's more like, yeah, when did you make it? And yeah. then and it's like, well, I haven't made it yet. And now you're on the so, other side. Yeah. Hmm. Um, 
And so I guess I guess the challenge for the week or the goal of this podcast is to say like as Christians like we're we're still on the path of conversion and that conversion includes falling like includes yeah, failing yeah. includes detours includes like not at times like feeling like a Christian like there yeah. has there there's innately going to be duplicity there because of our imperfection yeah but that doesn't mean that we haven't had conversion or that we aren't like making the journey yeah um but rather than mm. we're on it so. yeah yeah and i think that that just really brings into question uh how do we see the church in general is it something that like okay i'm in it i go to mass i made it or is it the ark the ship that is on a journey towards god and mm. we're all taking part in that journey yeah is it stagnant or is it in motion? And then, yeah, that's a question you got to think about. There's that cheesy line that life with Christ is is an adventure. A great adventure. That is yeah. not a cheesy line. That's so cool. Oh, it always made me want to like, throw open my mouth a little Are bit. Are you kidding me? That's JP2. Well, it, it doesn't change it. It oh always made gosh. me want to kind of throw open my... But uh, the problem yeah. is, is it's very true. <laughs> that's and not a problem. throwing up in my mouth is like... That oh says more about gosh. me than it says about the crew. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's that it. is true. That's also like uh, the, that St. Therese quote, which is super good and I love. The, the, um, the world is thy ship, not thy home. And not thy that's home. That's one of my favorites. Yep, that's a really good See, one. See, why does that one strike me but not the... I don't know because you, because <laughs> you need more conversion I do. apparently. Alrighty, folks. Well, it's been a pleasure being with you as always, virtually. Um, Joseph, it's been a pleasure being with you in person. Always. Yes, always. <laughs> uh, so uh, have a good night, and may all of your wonders be blessed. God. Bless. As a final note, if you would <laughs> like to, uh, if you would like to send us questions about things to wonder about, oh, yeah. you can email us at questions at wonderingwonders.org. Yeah, if you're still listening and you didn't just stop after we said bye, <laughs> you know, like like a normal, person. like normal. Yeah, yeah. Send us questions. We want to wonder. Mm-hmm.